What is up, wrestling fans? Welcome to episode number 619 of the Smart Guy Moment Smack Talk Podcast Hot Tags of the Week. The breakdown of the current rumors, news, stories so on the gossipy side of things, the TV recap, and so on and so forth from the world of pro wrestling over the past few days. I'm your host as always, Tony Mango, joined as always by Callum Wiggins. Hello there. And Robert E. Felice. Booyaka, booyaka, 619. Oh, we are in 619. Yeah, look at that. I should have paid attention to that. I'm <laughs> glad you did. So we're going to just uh, kick you in the face for this episode. <laughs> just <laughs> All right. right in the face. Um, and then frog splash you. Now, we have a couple things to talk about when it comes to the NXT versus Dynamite little mini skirmish that had gone on that became a much bigger thing after the fact. And... Uh, on Twitter, I guess more than almost anything else, we got some Iron Claw to talk about. We got a lot actually to talk about for SmackDown tonight. It's one of those episodes where leading into Friday Night SmackDown, you know, a lot of times we normally end up just being like, oh, they advertised a couple matches and it's not really worth talking about. There's a lot that's going to go down tonight, it seems, based off of the idea that this is the quote unquote season premiere. It's always weird to me that they still have season premieres when they don't really have seasons. So that's odd. We've got a new name for somebody, and we've got Ari Emanuel talking about the things going on with TKO and Vince McMahon and Triple H in charge and Monday Night Raw not being Monday Night anymore and so on and so forth. So as we go along here and we tell you what we think about these topics, we want to know what you have to say as well. Drop your thoughts in the comments below on YouTube, and while you're over there, make sure you hit that like button. Make sure you are subscribed to this channel. Make sure that you also help us out on the monetary side of things if you have the spare change to help us out in that way with the thanks button or the uh, little join button. It'll give you access to the same stuff as the Patreon. And when it comes to the merchandise, you got Redbubble and Public. if you want to pick up some stickers or t-shirts or, you know, to be perfectly honest, I don't even pay attention as much about what the different merchandise options they are because they just add stuff all the time now where I'll log in, you know, every couple weeks or something and it'll be like, now you can get custom coffee pots or something. And I'm like, all right, fine, sure. I'll slap the smart Guy moment logo on that if anybody wants to buy it or something. But if you have any suggestions for that all the time, of course, you let me know. And so on and so forth with that as well. If you need any more information, you let me know. I'll tell you, but we don't want to bog down the plugs too much. We want to get into some of these hot tags because some of them are pretty spicy this week. Let's talk about two that I think that we can kind of get out of the way relatively easily without jumping around topics too much. One of them is that Bobby Roode is supposedly no longer listed as an active superstar, but just a producer. And we might, of course, see him come back into the ring at some point. He had been gone for a long time now from injuries, and there's no indication that I can find online about how his progress is for his injury, which might indicate that maybe he is kind of hanging up his boots or maybe it's just going to take a while and they figured he's an old enough veteran we can get his perspective on things and you know some people are really good at the producing job and some people actually are better producers than they are even wrestlers other people they have struggles and they can't really do that job or they don't really want to or whatever but he seems like he is fitting in rather well we'll talk about another producer a little bit later but um they also had a little thing with Johnny Gargano and Tommaso Ciampa that they had been doing the NXT stuff with the glorious bombing and the return of that 
included Bobby Roode popping up out of the producer's room. So it seems like it's an indication even more so that that might be true. He might wrestle in the future, but I actually, I would be surprised if we saw him return to the roster, at least on a regular basis. How you guys feel about this whole situation? Bobby Roode should have headlined a WrestleMania. Should have been a world champion no, too. I'm not arguing that. <laughs> I, I'm not arguing that. He should have. The, the glorious entrance was great. It's weird to think we got matches like Bobby Roode and Randy Orton for like the U.S. title at some points, and it feels like it should have been a bigger deal, but it's just one of those things. And I do hope we see him do a Royal Rumble appearance or something. But I'm glad that he's transitioning. I'm glad he's healthy. I'm glad, you know, all the usual positives that come out of a situation like this are great for him. But I was a diehard Bobby Roode fan and feel like he should have done a little bit more. I would say that um, outside of the entrance, I found uh, Bobby Roode's entire WWE run very, very underwhelming. Um, I think that he'd say so like his in-ring stuff was pretty dull in comparison to what he'd been in um, Impact, and I think his character was nowhere near as strong as it had been in Impact as well. It just it just felt like a guy who was you would feel would be perfect for WWE, and yet he just didn't fit at all in the landscape of what NXT was becoming at that point in time. He was not the right fit for that brand. And, yeah, I'm I'm not surprised that uh, he's been transitioned out of the in-ring stuff. Fundamentally, he just never, um, they, they never wanted to position him at a certain level. So he gets to be a producer now, and that's good for him. Yeah, I think that it would have worked out better for him if he would have gotten into the AJ Styles route, where we talked before about the idea of, like, arguably Samoa Joe shouldn't have even bothered to go to NXT because he was already a well enough established name and, Somebody like Styles jumped straight to the Raw roster or the SmackDown roster or whatever it was. Bobby Roode, I think, should have just gone straight to Raw or SmackDown. And maybe they would have had already the perception of he's a guy that we can do something with. More so than going through the NXT system. Even if you are an established name, it is sort of like you have to graduate Uray up there, you know, and maybe that two years or whatever was just enough time to miss the boat. Yeah, I think I thought what he gave to NXT when they were trying to do a little bit more of a we're we're elevating it. I understood what they were going for. I ultimately think that because of what NXT would end up being known for at the end of the day, it was probably not a fit. But man, he should. That I I look at Bobby Roode and I think about like our fantasy booking, for example, and that would be a guy who could arguably headline a mania, and it didn't it didn't happen. I ultimately think that they tried to position him as a babyface, which was weird, and then things just went sideways from there. Like he was Robert Roode with a mustache for a while, like. They just couldn't help themselves. But he will always be known as, what is he, the second 24-7 champion ever? Uh, The first was... Titus. Titus, and then... 
And then Bobby Roode and then Archer was it? hit him with a car or something, didn't he? Uh, let's see. I'll look that up in the meantime. Um, is that with his big say away that Robbie, uh, Robert Roode would be known as that? I don't even remember. Yeah, apparently he was. No, I mean, I mean I'm, being, I'm being an asshole, <laughs> but you know what I mean. Yeah, but. apparently it was uh, Titus, then Roode, then R-Truth, then Elias, and so on and so forth. Um, no, I think Bobby Roode for WWE is going to be remembered as glorious guy in the NXT entrance. Yeah. And the stuff that he did there. I think for most wrestling fans, Bobby Roode's going to be remembered for your money. And his TNA run, and that shit was second to none. So again, as I mentioned, we will talk about a different producer with our whole SmackDown stuff going on. But here's another thing that's unrelated that uh, you know we're not going to bounce around between those topics. The trailer for, or I should say, the first trailer for the Iron Claw movie came out the other day. It's a it's an A24 production. That's the one that MJF is in, and uh, it's the led by Zac Efron and Lily James. And there's some other people that you would recognize that are, you know, character actors and stuff. But, um, yeah, if I were to say to you, like, uh, Hey, name to me, uh, your favorite five Holt McCallany, uh, movies, people would be like, who? And then if I showed you a picture, you'd be like, Oh, he's been in, you know, 15 things or something. But, um, I know that Rob checked it out. Callum, did you check out the trailer? Yeah, I've seen it. So what did you guys think about it? I love A24 and I love pro wrestling and I'm damn excited to see this. I even, you're going to be in Florida in December and I even asked you if you'd be around for the movie because I think that this movie is going to be a good time. I don't know, like, look, I don't know what people are expecting outside the wrestling bubble, but I don't care about them. I think it's going to be a, a really fun movie for me and... I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, I think um, I saw someone on Twitter sum it up best when they said it feels quite weird when wrestling is taken seriously in mainstream media. (laughs) And yeah, it it is a bit because this is a really, but this is a really serious story. And people who aren't aware about the background of the Von Erichs and everything surrounding that family might go into that also basically considering a lot of the trailer going into it thinking oh we're in for a bit of a a fun wrestling spectacle there should be a bit of a laugh and then some of the topic matter they will almost certainly discuss in it is going to knock a few people sideways so i think it, it could it looks like it could be a really well put together movie i want to see how again i don't know the full story like cover to cover but i know elements of it so i want to see how because they could go really deep in certain parts of this to see, like, that. There again, there are a lot of stories out there which could make things quite, um, quite harrowing for in certain segments. But yes, yeah, so I'm interested to see what the final product looks like. Now, I know specifically to Callum. Have you seen any other A24 productions? They they're very good at tackling stuff like this. I believe they're also doing the Priscilla movie right now, aren't they? Getting out there, and I mean, I I couldn't I couldn't tell you any movie that's an A twenty four production. I wouldn't have you I wouldn't you I wouldn't have known if you had told me that this movie was an A twenty four production because, like, really, I don't re- the production company of a movie doesn't really is something not something that I pay much attention to. Well, I think 
I saw Jordan, former Smart Cat Women writer, Jordan, say best. You need to understand this is not just Zac Efron, all, mus- all muscular and tights. This is a very hard-hitting movie. And I'm, I'm looking forward to the reception and the movie in general. And I can't wait to talk about it here. Probably watch it with Tony. Most likely they're going to be the case. Yeah. Um, a 24 does a lot of horror stuff and they do a lot of dramas that are like, I wouldn't say necessarily like experimental, but like they don't, you know what you're getting into with a Pixar movie and you know what you're getting into with a Blumhouse picture and a 24 has kind of created this market for itself of being like serious and sometimes strange so they they did the movie um, Talk to Me, a horror film, which like was pretty good. Now, I'm not a big horror fan, but I thought it was pretty decent. Caroline liked that a lot. You know, she's a huge horror uh, buff as it is, but they are responsible for The Whale, the movie of the Darren Aronofsky's film with uh, Brendan Fraser. So it's like that's not a horror film at all, but it's you know serious drama in that way. And they did the Pearl movies, which are all you know. A kind of funny horror thing uh, like X and whatnot. Um, I'm pretty sure that they did everything everywhere all at once, which is totally strange, you know, but they have a good, pretty good track record. So that makes me feel good already. And it looks like a solid film. It looks like something that we might end up afterward going into being like, all right, they kind of skipped over this or they kind of didn't do that quite w- well or whatever. But I have a little bit more faith that this is going to be good more so than something like that wrestling with my family was, which wasn't bad, but ultimately just wasn't great. I think that this is going to be better and they'll probably have to do some kind of a deep dive because I'm not too familiar with a lot of aspects of that story. So I'd like to kind of learn a little bit more before that movie comes out. But um, so far the reaction has been pretty good that I've seen online. doesn't seem like people that are in the bubble or outside of the bubble are really kind of approaching it through a different lens. It's not like it's like only wrestling fans are interested in this movie or people that are um, not into pro wrestling are like, Oh, this seems like this is going to be a comedy or, you know, anything along those lines. So um, it comes out December 22nd. I don't think that we had had a release date one of the last times we were talking about this. So it'll be around, you know, for the Christmas season and depending on when it comes out on any kind of digital release or something, we might end up doing a fan announce table or a fan tracks or something like that. So keep that in mind or, you know, if you see it in theaters, let us know what you think about it. Um, let's see what we should go to next. Let's go to Ariel Emanuel and talk about some of the comments that he recently said that are of course, there's a lot more to unpack, but there's plenty of things that who gives a shit about. Uh, <laughs> we're not going to start getting into it. We got a 40% increase for SmackDown and blah, blah, blah. But the couple of interesting things that he did say, more so this one block of uh, text, uh, I'm going to three different post wrestling because they did a good job with the transcription. Um, I would say to you, there's plenty of interest in Raw right now. I know people are like NBC is out of the mix. And that's why it went down. I think there's three things that happened. One, the reason the stock is down is they thought Raw was the best package. I saw a 40% increase, which was in line with expectations. Two, the PFL situation. 
and three, probably Vince in our deal wanted to be able to put at any point in time, his stock, he's 78 years old. He's been working at this for decades and decades. So I think those three back-to-back issues, (laughs) the idea that raw might move off of Monday night is also kind of bouncing around from this. There's also a story that's going around that Triple H is anointed fully in charge of creative and that Vince is out of the mix and that stuff that we've seen in the past week or two could indicate that, you know, Tegan Knox is back on TV, Zia Lee's on TV. We're getting a push for somebody like a Bronson Reed to go up against Gunther and Johnny Gargano is back and it might be an indicator of that. It might not be necessarily could be coincidence. I do think this is all pretty interesting. And the thing that makes me kind of pop the most is the idea that it seems like it's already cutting straight to the, yeah, we don't really want to have Vince around. (laughs) I think, well, I can't comment too much on the business side of things. Obviously I think it'd be very shocking to see Raw move off of Monday nights. Just a lot of equity in that brand. I think people tune into Monday Night Raw same way they tune into like a Saturday Night Live. You know, like people know when Raw is on television. Um, it would take a lot, I think, to justify Raw moving from Monday because Monday's a coveted spot on television too, and. A lot of people that don't pay attention to ratings and everything that they just sort of go, well, you can move it to any night and it really doesn't matter. You can just make it Tuesday night Smack, uh, Tuesday night Raw or Wednesday night Raw or whatever. But there are things known as death slots and, you know, something like a Thursday it doesn't perform the same way as a Friday. Saturdays in general, for instance, are not good days to have your show. People go out on Saturday nights. So I highly doubt that we would get like Saturday Night, Night Raw, but there's a possibility. Saturday Night's all right for fighting. <laughs> um, outside of that, like the Vince stuff, I don't, I don't see anything big in that. There's been the story that he might just sell his stock and be completely out for a while now. Maybe that was the overall plan. I enjoy the idea that Hunter's been anointed fully in charge of creative, but you know, never say never until Vince is gone, gone. And I don't like the idea of NBC out of the mix. I don't think that that's a great move. Like, I would think that NBC would throw everything at the wall to keep all of the WWE properties. Because that's their most successful thing outside of whatever Dick Wolf rerun you want to run that day. (laughs) To be fair, though, the way that he says it is, I know people are like NBC is out of the mix. So that's not him saying NBC is out of the mix in getting Monday Night Raw. And that's led to it's the perception is that NBC is out because they didn't announce Raw being with smackdown and like nxt is like we're getting all three or something so a lot of people i mean even us we were kind of like does that mean that and nbc is not interested in raw or does that mean that they're pitching something that wwe and endeavor and all them 
are just like, yeah, fuck you. We're not going to accept that or, you know, because it is a little strange that they didn't just settle on a deal yet. That doesn't mean that they're out of the mix entirely. This is no wit on Calum. Calum does not watch on USA. He doesn't watch. But, you know, I, I think just to kind of pitch to you, Callum, what do you think about the idea that they're fully behind Triple H and there's more and more of this idea that Vince is kind of just heading out full time soon? Well, it, it couldn't have happened to a nicer guy. Um <laughs> I mean, fundamentally, it doesn't matter to me. I stopped watching WWE back when Triple H was doing creative stuff. I'm not going to go back now that I know that he's he's fully back in charge. I think his stuff is pretty stale and boring for the most part, and so it doesn't really interest me, him being in charge of creative. Yeah, certain names that were on the outs when Vince was back pretty much at the helm are coming back, but they need to do a lot of character rehabilitation on a lot of them. I think that... In terms of the whole raw potentially moving to different nights, I think that you should at least open yourself up to the possibility of that happening because you start to limit your options to potential bidders if you basically say, "Oh, we can you can only ever put this show on a Monday mm-hmm. night." So I think that we should at least come start to potentially come to terms with the possibility that they decide to switch over to another night instead but yeah i i mean i said it back when we spoke originally about all this nbc stuff about i'm sure that if they had a real intention to get all three shows and have them part of the same network that they would have moved heaven and earth to just buy, try and buy the company so i think that yeah so I, it, it won't surprise me at all if they move raw and nxt end up going to you know, Amazon Prime or uh, Disney or something like that instead. So, it's, so, so yeah, I think we just, it's one of those like just wait and see situations. Maybe NBC just does come back with the final offer because they get a bit nervous about the possibility of not having Raw on the network anymore. But it's not like Raw's always, always been on uh, USA, USA. They could move it around. Um, so yeah, it's pretty much like a, a much of a muchness to me. These announcements, they, they, in in the grand scheme of things, they are big, but it's not anything that I'm gonna think too much about. So I have a question, it's just because I'm admittedly uneducated about some of this stuff. If it moves to Amazon Prime, does that mean it'll be shown at a universal time for everyone? And does that mean that ratings are no longer a factor? Kind of. Uh, so from my understanding, and if anybody knows anything differently, then obviously chime in on the comments below. Streaming things never really tell anybody what the numbers are. Like Netflix gives ideas of numbers, but they never really report specifics. And they'll say things like, Stranger Things was the most watched episode for this entire year, the premiere or something like that. But then you're like, well, what does that mean? Does that mean that eight people watched it? Or does that mean that 250,000 people watched it at, you know, you debuted it at three in the morning 
and people were clicking on it at 301. And there has to be some sort of metrics that they do with their conversion rates of how many people sign up for specific shows and then, you know, get their package deals and do it like that for them to be able to continue and justify you know, funding a show like House of Cards or, um, you know, it's a Game of Thrones thing or something like that versus them just throwing random shit on there and just paying a licensing fee for something. And Raw is definitely something that they would have to approach differently than just renting out the rights for a movie because the movie rights are just stale. It's just, you put it on there, you hope that people are interested in that being part of the catalog and that's it. But TV shows, they tend to approach differently. And there's been a lot of hubbub over streaming stuff with like Disney Plus. And I mean, we're seeing it all across the board with this idea that they're all like sort of having the same crisis of shit. We're not getting people to give us more money. So let's try to throw ads in there. And then let's try to convince people to go on the ad tier by boosting up the non ad tier at such a high rate that people aren't going to, you know, the whole idea of like a medium drink costs almost the same as a large and a small is something that they can make a percentage of money on. So let's make sure that the medium is a pointless charge so that we either get them for the small or the large. I think when raw, if it were to go to Amazon that they would release it at just like it's on there and rather than like air it live. But even that is kind of strange because I'm not aware of anything on Amazon that broadcasts live. I don't really Thursday night football and they're doing pretty decent numbers. Okay. So that but, is yeah, something that they've always done. The, they've done the premier league football on there as well. Uh, so, okay. Um, uh, the only things I ever click on prime for are like the boys and gen V and stuff like that. So it's like, you know, a static show that I'll click on eventually and watch that episode. Like I'm an episode behind on Gen V probably at this point, but so that's potentially different. Um, if they're airing that like an actual TV show, then maybe they do have a set time that they would be like broadcasting like, like regular TV. Cause that's kind of some of the stuff that interests me. And also I think WWE is a television powerhouse. They wouldn't be leaving TV altogether because SmackDown is going to USA. We know this, and there will be the quarterly programs on NBC. But for half of that, then move away from traditional TV, I think is a huge statement if it happens. And then there's also personally the annoyance of I got the live stuff on the one streaming platform and the, the catalog on the other platform. That's why I wanted it all to go to Peacock yeah. and NBC. Just convenience but no uh, it's exciting and i'm interested to see where it lands because there's a lot of players and the landscape is changing every day you know you're seeing it tony just mentioned it they're upping these ad supported uh versions of the ad, of the platforms tremendously because they want that ad money it's no longer about hey you, just, you get netflix and then you don't have commercials and it's great <laughs> Not the case everybody's just skipping all the shit that we've talked about for the past couple years where it was like you used to pay for cable to not have commercials, commercials and then 
commercials came to cable, so then they created Netflix and stuff. And then they created extra Netflixes, and then now they're creating... Uh, Disney's like, I want my cable. <laughs> and, and, you know, I mean, the bubble's going to keep bursting, and they're going to keep realizing that you can't fucking charge this amount of money. You can't spend $140 a year on Disney Plus when you can't buy groceries. It's just not going to happen. And they have to eat some crow eventually. So I am thinking if they are... At least from my perspective, of course, people run these numbers and they know way more information than I do. And they're, you know, business analysts and statistic people that are have way more training than I do and all that, too. But from my perspective, what I would imagine is going to happen here, I think Raw stays on Monday nights no matter what. I think that they're open to the idea that it could switch off of Monday as part of the negotiations. But I'm pretty sure that they had done that before, too. I think that that's just kind of one of their phrasings that they do is just like, well, you know, I mean, if the right offer comes and, you know, we, we're not married to Monday night in the sense that something like Saturday Night Live, like you mentioned, if that were to switch other than Saturday Night Live, you need to change the name of the show. It's technically Monday Night Raw only by like colloquialism. It's just WWE Raw. So it doesn't have to be Monday nights. But it's kind of an institution, so you're risking a lot by moving that. SmackDown's moved around all fucking sorts of it. It's been pre-taped on a Tuesday, and it's been airing on a Tuesday, and it's aired on a Thursday, and it's aired on a Friday, and so they don't give a shit about that. But um, NXT's been Tuesday, Wednesday. They can move that around too. And I would expect we still have Monday Night Raw, and it's probably going to stay on USA but that they might be negotiating something with Amazon and Peacock to just be like, maybe we should explore that. NXT, though, I think that there's a good chance that that could be a Peacock exclusive or that that could be maybe an Amazon Prime show. I'm very curious to see where that all lands. So let's keep all the SmackDown stuff together. Let's keep all the NXT and AEW stuff together and toss out one more that's on the outskirts of this. Karrion Cross is saying that he supposedly had been set up with creative pitches to work against Bray Wyatt for WrestleMania 39. And that there could have been ideas of Cross with Scarlet against Bray Wyatt and Bliss, because that would make sense to have a kind of, you know, back and forth between those two and the women on the outside and all. And I don't really necessarily buy into it 100%. <laughs> I, I find it hard to believe that this was something that really got off the ground because we talked about it before. Go back in the archives if you want to check out our reactions when this was happening. They just sort of randomly had Bray Wyatt go out on an episode of SmackDown, I believe is what it was, and just go, yeah, between Bray Wyatt, uh, between Bobby Lashley and Brock Lesnar, whoever wins at the Elimination Chamber pay-per-view, I'm going to fight at WrestleMania. And we were all like, well, what the hell is that about? He's got no re interaction between those two. Nothing at all. That's the most random ass thing. 
And then that got into our heads about, well, does that mean that Bobby Lashley beats Brock Lesnar? Because it seems like it's more likely that Bobby Lashley would go up against him. No, Brock Lesnar is the bigger deal. So Brock has to win because Brock and Bray Wyatt is a bigger match than Bobby Lashley and Bray Wyatt. And then it just sort of became, yeah, it's going to be the Bobby Lashley match. And then, of course, that didn't happen. And then Lashley ended up being in the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal and all that. And so many people have said that hey, Brock probably turned the idea down and whatever. Nothing at all was happening around Karrion Cross and Bray Wyatt, though. So maybe this was something that they had pitched weeks or months prior to that. Maybe this was something that Cross and Wyatt were thinking about, and then they got this note handed to them of, nope, it's Lashley and Lesnar or whatever or something. It would have been a better idea, I think, Cross versus Wyatt, rather than this random Lashley thing. If we could have gotten it, of course. There's a lot there that changes as, as we go. Because if you remember, the Raw Women's Championship match at the Royal Rumble was Bliss and Bel Air with heavy Uncle Howdy Bray Wyatt overtones. And then Bliss goes away, she has a skin cancer scare, like, that's okay, she gets pregnant. So maybe at that moment, at the Royal Rumble, they were like, you could do Bliss and Ray against Karen Cross and Scarlet, that might be fun. And then as things change, because creative and WWE is fluid, it became, let's do this, which then became... Lashley beats Lesnar by DQ, and we saw what happened. It wasn't tremendous, and unfortunately, Bray Wyatt is no longer with us. But I, I don't. I have a hard time believing that this was as solid as the write-ups of the quote would make you think. Um. Uh, yeah. I, I don't really have much to say on this one because it's not. Like anything that would involve carrying cross in a match or feud is nothing that I'm going to be particularly <laughs> interested in or want to even consider happening. So, so yeah, if he did, if he was pitched to fight Bray Wyatt, I don't care. Wouldn't want to see that match. If he's pitched for any match at WrestleMania, don't care. Wouldn't want to watch that. So we can move on. <laughs> well, I don't know what their plan is for what to do with carrying cross, but they need to figure it out soon enough because he has been just losing momentum with each passing week that they don't do anything with him. He came back and it was like, Oh, okay. Maybe they got this rejuvenated idea for him and maybe things can work out better than the last time. And then he just sort of did nothing. He's feuded with a couple people, but it's been like half-assed feuding. Like he had feuded with Ray for like a month and a half and had like two matches with him. But then he was feuding with somebody else at the same time. So Ray was just sort of, oh, yeah, I got Cross in the background, but I'm also targeting this guy or something. Like They don't seem to be really wanting to dedicate any kind of manpower towards the Karrion Cross story, and that's not giving me a whole lot of faith that anything great's coming up in his future, but, I mean, he wants to grow his hair out to look like 98 Undertaker, I think is what he had said recently. <laughs> so it's like, if that's what your focus is, then we'll see about that. But Oh, we can say that Scarlett will be featured on NXT in a couple of weeks. She and weeks. Uh, Shotzi are going to be the hosts of night one, correct? Not both nights. It's just night one. 
I believe it's both nights. At least night one. <laughs> Let's put it that way. Then we're not wrong. Um, yeah, Shotzi is kind of uh, making a little bit of a play for herself as like the perpetual Halloween Havoc host, which that's cool. Yeah, down for that. We do have a lot of NXT to talk about here. We got a lot of AEW to talk about as well. Um, guys, want to get into that? Or do you think we should get into the SmackDown stuff? Maybe maybe we'll do the AEW stuff and then all that, the and then do the SmackDown stuff at the finale since that's leading into tonight um if you are a pro wrestling fan and you have any kind of tap into this tribalism you can't like them both kind of thing that some people have which is stupid then you know that nxt and aew were head-to-head this week for a special episode of dynamite they had been bumped off of their normal wednesday night time so they decided to try to spice it up a little bit by calling it title tuesday Two titles on the line is less than they have for Battle of the Belts, <laughs> but hey, okay, sure, you know, you got to give it something to try to make people go. Title Tuesday, okay, I remember it's on a Tuesday, but that's part of the story. Another big story that is involved in this is what I'm referring to on this thumbnail and stuff as Tony Khan's meltdown, and I think the timeline of this is something we should get into then talk about the results and then the stuff that happens after. <laughs> I think that that's probably the best way that we can approach this because heading into the week, if my memory serves me correct, WWE had announced Cody's going to be on and he's going to make an announcement. John Cena's going to be on. Oscar's going to fight Roxanne Perez. They had an undertaker gong at the very end of those promos. And I believe that that was it. There might have been like one other thing or something, but it seemed like it was just sort and of it was Heyman, Heyman. Oh, and Paul Heyman in the corner uh, to offset John Cena. That's right. Yeah. They didn't really seem to be doing anything else other than that. Meanwhile, AEW was like, okay, well, we've got an international championship match. We've got edges match against uh, Luchasaurus. We've got Hikaru Shida against Soraya and the uh, swerve match and the hangman at a page match. So like they had put out a card Seemed like it was pretty set and a good, good lineup. And we talked about it last week, our predictions for both of those shows and stuff. And then if I'm getting the right timeline, the next thing that happened was NXT announced the first 30 minutes of NXT are going to be commercial free. Is that right? That they did that one first before it, yeah, NXT announced it first. Yeah. And then Tony Khan goes, <laughs> oh yeah, well, you know what? We're going to get the first 30 minutes of our show free as well. If not more. And also, we're going to have a pre-show. It's going to be Eddie Kingston defending his uh, championship against uh, Minoru Suzuki. That's going to be on Twitter and Facebook and YouTube because they can't just, you know, add more to that. That'd be kind of crazy to just be like, yeah, let's get an extra half an hour on network television and everything or cable TV, not network. And then it just keeps spiraling and it becomes more this whole thing with Tony Khan about like... um I'm going to try to find where I had had a a list of like all these things where he was really hitting hard, not just promoting AEW is going to be on Tuesday. We have this really good lineup. Remember everybody, we're not on Wednesday. We're on Tuesday. We really want you to tune in. It started to become more like, okay, now I'm pissed and I'm going to take shots at this. I'm going to say things less so of the, 
this is going to be one of the best shows that we've ever had, which is already kind of like, all right, you might be, you know, kind of a little bit superfluous on that front, but also you're just touting yourself and that's, there's nothing bad about that. He starts getting into some of these other things where it's, um, yeah, I'm looking at this now, the full um, lineup of this. <laughs> AW Dynamite's on Tuesday this week, October 10th. You don't have to wait until Wednesday this week. And good thing, too, because it's title Tuesday. Maybe the best lineup of matches we've ever had this Tuesday, Kansas City. And it's my birthday, <laughs> which is like, all right, it's kind of cute. The idea of like, please tune in. It's my birthday. It'd be a good birthday gift. And he starts also touting numbers and saying like, you know, Forbidden Door and Wrestle Dream currently on our best run. These short four shows sold great on pay-per-view. So it's very much like, no, no, no. Anybody that's complaining, we're doing great. What are you talking about? And then he starts tweeting out gifts of, okay, you want to be a dick? (laughs) We got uh, the special 30-minute time slot or whatever. And then we got the pre-show and all that stuff. And the overrun. And he, overrun. and he throws in the overrun. We're going to have an overrun as well. So it's like, well, we've got to have an extra 30 minutes and more than that or whatever. Somebody had tweeted out. Let me see what their name was on there. Um, one mellow soul on Twitter put out a, like a sort of like, hmm, looking uh, picture of Seth Rollins. And he just said, we not watching bucko. Tony Khan's response was a gif of Roderick Strong saying, who gives a fuck? <laughs> admittedly that was hysterical (laughs) which that was the first like this is kind of going a little bit in the uh maybe you should kind of settle down sort of range i personally loved this i thought that this was great like this was highly entertaining so i didn't want him to stop at all but a lot of people were like all right you know whatever somebody uh augustine arcus 98 had said if vince mcmahon said this if servants mcmahon said this there would be many failed AEW fans crying nonstop and furious hashtag hypocrites to which Tony Khan replied. If servants McMahon said this, it would be the least of his alleged misdeeds, <laughs> which is like, again, yeah, very hilarious, not wrong either, but it's kind of like, all right, this is coming off a little bit desperate to kind of do these shots. And then he doubles down even more about the Bovron and all that stuff. To send a message to Triple H and Shawn Michaels, bald asshole. (laughs) Okay, so I'd seen the bald asshole tweet, but I do want to give some context to that. Because Nick Houseman, House of Wrestling, had reported uh, Shawn Michaels and Triple H looking to send a message to Tony Khan with tonight's show. And he said, I have a message for that bald asshole. And that's funny. (laughs) Again... Genuinely funny stuff here, even if I was kind of like, oh, wow, he's tweeting a lot. Okay, (laughs) like genuinely funny stuff. Obviously, Curb, your enthusiasm was very much on his (laughs) And we get into the NXT and AEW stuff. And we'll talk about like what happened on those shows, too. Maybe we'll backtrack and talk about that after. But um, AEW loses the ratings quote-unquote war of that night um i don't have the numbers ahead of me uh let me 921 921,000 for nxt to 609,000 for yeah so nxt wins and depending on your perspective you're either the type of person who in my mind at the very least is rational about this and you go okay well nxt had some big names on there that's not their normal number 
AEW was not on their normal week, but they did try to put out some stuff to get people to tune in. And he was trying really hard to add extra stuff to like, you know, the overrun and the lead in throwing an extra title match in there and all. So they kind of both really tried and NXT has their loyalty thing and NXT is still WWE and whatever. And it's AEW's top people against NXT's not top people minus the fact that yeah, Cena no, and Undertaker and whatever, and Undertaker. but Undertaker and Cena are only advertised as doing that. They're not advertised to wrestle and there's gray elements of everything. It's not black and white. So the people that go like NXT just is their C show and they beat the A show. And that means that WWE hundred percent kicked their ass. Uh, not necessarily. And then the AEW people that are like, well, I mean, it's only because of John Cena and Dyn- uh, and Undertaker. And if Dynamite was whatever, you go, ah, well, yeah, I mean, not really. So <laughs> I look at this and I go, it's kind of a wash in some ways. But yeah, NXT won, technically. And I don't think that AEW should hate themselves for it. And I don't think that WWE should be like we are conquering the world for it or hating themselves for it. But the only con's not liking the responses for that so he starts putting out stuff about like uh history was made this week because cena and undertaker have never been on a show that didn't draw at least a million and then that comes across to me as very much like you know that uh that meme of the guy that's like super celebrating hard with the champagne and biting the metal and then he's in third place girl you know, that's kind of what it comes across to me where it's like, yeah, well, you know what? We kind of fucked over seeing an Undertaker, didn't we? And it's all coming very much down the line of like, WWE's not talking as much about this. And the less that they talk and the more that Tony Khan talks, the more that he keeps digging a hole, the worse AEW looks to me. So I think... I have fun with this. This is super fun. You know, <laughs> like, at, like job aside, as a person, I have a tremendous amount of fun with, with this because I, I believe that that's the fun of competition. I'm very much a fan of the Cola Wars, very much a fan of the console wars. <laughs> like, that's right up my alley. Tell the people what you pick. Um, First of all, yeah. I was always the kind for the console or soda to have both, <laughs> but it would be Nintendo and Pepsi. Personally. What would you pick, Ella? Um, uh, PlayStation and uh, Pepsi, Pepsi Max, technically. Yeah. <laughs> Good. Um, yeah, I, I think this is funny. I, I do think that when he sent out the one yesterday about, oh, well, you know, before this week, you know, Undertaker had never been on a show with under a million viewers. Ha ha ha. I think, one, he's being playful at this point. Two, it does come off weird because I'm sure people aren't looking at it like that. But there was part of me that was kind of like, I wish he would kind of stop talking just so everybody else would stop talking. But then he would tweet some more and then it makes you realize why he might be taking all of this so personal. I'll let you pick it up from there. So he had been saying that it became a personal thing with this competition with WWE during a time frame when his mother was sick and she was, uh, you know, the Mayo Clinic was able to sort that out, thankfully, and all. But that 
that was happening around the same time that WWE was quote unquote contract tampering, which that also is something that we've talked about before, but we don't know too much information about what exactly went down because as far as I'm concerned, if you were to talk to somebody and say, Hey, when you can talk to us, let us know. Cause we're interested in you. As far as I can tell, that's not contract tampering. That's just letting somebody know well, about that. But then also, even if that is the case, if that's contract tampering, you got to imagine that the same thing happens both ways because there is no way that Jeff Hardy did not have some sort of go between with Matt Hardy and Tony Khan. You can't convince me that there was never a discussion where Tony Khan didn't talk to other people that could talk to Jeff about the idea of coming in. He definitely did. So it's, you can't throw stones in a glass house, you know? So with this in particular, this is different for me because this one, it's a little more egregious on behalf of WWE with certain things, at least William Regal had a job lined up flat out. Like, Hey, you know, Triple H back in charge. Regal gets a job. You know, I know that they did actively pitch Swerve on like, oh, we know you signed, but hey, do you can you get out of it? Like that's a little more direct than you know um the kind of stuff you were talking about where it's like, well, let us know because we're interested in you. Kind of like they might have done with Jade, mm-hmm. for example. That's a little more direct. Yeah. And I can see taking that, especially when when Regal left, he had talked about the situation with his mother being a very big driving force. So if it became personal, then that would also explain the comments from earlier this year about, like, I think I got along better with the other regime. And, you know, fuck this regime kind of yeah. when Triple H had first taken over. So that explains a little bit more of why we're here. You know, so... That was at least nice to get some color. So this whole um, this whole Tony Khan uh, tweeting stuff, I'd say the the vast majority of them I just find funny, and I think that people's um, interpretation that this makes AEW look bad is just is bo- is bollocks. Like. Yeah, he's the owner of the company, and so maybe he should take a step back from his uh, phone every now and again and just let things play out. But also, AEW has kind of built up a reputation as being a challenger brand for WWE, so their fan base will eat up the fact that he's going after the the forerunners of WWE and actually, you know, being an aggressor, I say an aggressor, being a a shit stirrer in this context rather than just being silent, just saying, oh, okay, we're just going to play nice. We're just going to go about our business. And, you know, some people will say that it is like punching upwards and WWE wasn't taking the approach. And, you know, that's, that is some people's perspective and optics are important. But I think for the most part, it added a bit of entertainment value to this. <laughs> it definitely did. Thing. So, <laughs> so, so yeah, so I don't, so just as an outside observer, it doesn't affect me. And it's not like I'm going to, you know, stop watching. Oh, God, these these guys are small fry because they're going after, like, you know, a company that's been around for about 60 years and has, like, got millions upon 
like billions of dollars backing them and all that other stuff and it's a case of well it's yeah it's like you know he's just having a bit of fun also like what saying that i was open my eyes to when i listened to uh brian alvarez talk about it is that there is method to the madness or at least from his perspective and it does make sense in that when tony khan tweets this more inflammatory stuff it gets a lot of eyeballs mm-hmm. yep. and then after he would do that he would then almost immediately tweet about a match or the event or something else that's happening about the show. So yep. maybe from his perspective, he's thinking, okay, I tweet this thing out. That's going to get a lot of people looking at my profile. And then I'm immediately tweeting about this extra match we're putting on or this new stipulation. And then maybe people will get interested about it. So I can understand it from not just both him, probably also taking personal offense to a lot of this stuff. I'd say the one that immediately stuck sticks in my craw a bit is the the john cena and undertaker tweet because that does just feel like sour grapes but the other stuff i can see is like being either fun or being from a serious position like i do like we know the contract tampering happened because swerve strickland admitted to it on his podcast that he that they tried to tap him up when he was under contract with AEW. so and and I think it's quite obvious from that point of view. And again, I'm not saying that I'm the expert by any stretch of imagination, but I think people's um, people's views on what contact trampering is and what it isn't is pretty askew. So, like, things say, like, oh, that's not contact tam- tampering if you just call someone up and ask them when they're going to be next available or do you want to move over or anything along those lines. But, yeah, that, that kind of is. It depends on what's in the contract. So, like... It, it all depends on what's in your contract. And if your contract specifically states that or that you shouldn't uh, be in contact with any other rival promotions or anything on those lines, then, yeah, if someone does just call you up and you have that conversation, then that is breaching the contract. So, But then that's when I go that both sides would be guilty then because there's no way the Jeff Hardy thing was just sort of... You don't know that. I mean, we don't know for sure, but I feel like there's almost no way that that... It wouldn't make any sense to me that he would just be like, let me go get myself fired and whatever. He could have spoken spoke to Matt about it. Yeah, but that's an indirect way of contract tampering. And they could have, you know, it's it's kind of like, okay, you're not. It's not if it's not if Tony Khan did not or anybody from an official capacity that could do something with AW, like didn't didn't reach out to Jeff Hardy and talk to him about it. Matt could just say, oh, Jeff's going to be out of his contract soon. And then as soon as his contract does end, Tony Khan's then immediately on the phone with him. As long as that's happening, then that's not, that's in no way contact tampering. Whereas Triple H directly calling Swerve Strickland and saying, hey, are you happy with AEW? We'd love to take you back. It's contract Yeah, I mean, there's levels to any of that, depending on what happened. But I think anything that goes in that range you have to kind of know exactly what's in the contracts. You have to know exactly what went down and you have to take it with a grain of salt that everybody fucking lies. Everybody lies about everything. So it's like, there's no angel in business and you know, whether it's people that use, you know, uh, an offshore bank account to not report all their income so that they pay less in income tax or they do the whole you know, Oprah's like, hey, we promise to give you millions of dollars if you give all those millions and then we'll say that we gave that through our thing. So that's, you know, like, for instance, for anybody that, that doesn't know this, 
do not give money at a grocery store or something if they say do you want to you know donate to yeah the red cross or something don't do it and it sounds awful but the reason why you shouldn't do it is because you are paying walmart or whatever it might be for their donation they write it off on their taxes and all you're doing with that little you know you order something on grubhub and it says do you want to round up to donate to like some kids fund all you're doing is you're covering that for them. You're not actually adding to what they've done. If they pledge $10 million, they're spending $10 million, You're reimbursing them for it. So do not do it. Send the money directly to them, and then they have to pay for it separately. You know what I mean? So people do that kind of shit all the time. And that's where I go like, all right, well, I just assume AEW and WWE and all these other companies, they're doing whatever they can to get around it. You know, hey, when you get a chance edge or christian can you talk to edge like that kind of thing but i don't i mean i don't know i would find it hard to believe that wwe would be doing anything during a time frame that tony khan's mom's in a situation because they're looking at that as like he's distracted so let's do it now or something that would be pretty fucking awful if they did no i i know i don't think that's the case as well but I think that Tony Khan, I don't think even Tony Khan sees that as the right thing, but I think he see, he's obviously conflating that stuff, which everyone has the, like... People tend to do right that, to do, yeah. But, but, yeah, which is essentially, it was a very emotional time for him, and then, like, dealing with his own, like, personal situation, and then on top of that, having to deal with, like, you know, wrestlers coming up to him and saying, hey, Triple H is, well, not necessarily just Triple H, but, like, people from WWE have been on the phone asking if I'm happy here or like they've been like asking about my contract or anything of that ilk. So yeah, it's not a case of WWE purposely tying that to when his, his mum was in the hospital to try and like then start reaching out to all those things. But, you know, he's going to not view it as a direct attack, but basically say, well, they're like, they've going after my, talent at a time which is already like super stressful for me so yeah i'm really pissed off about that and who knows if he then at some point reached out to them and say hey this is a really bad time for me right now do you mind just leaving off like we know how each other operates or anything like that but like seriously not right now yeah and then and then who knows what happens at that point onwards or whether it's just a case that it's just you know the awful timing of it and it all like it can then colors his view on the company even more. I mean, you can kind of tell that, like, from that moment on, especially just with the contract tampering stuff, there was a, a change in Khan's attitude to WWE. He used to be just very, okay, we're not, we're, we're obviously like a challenger brand, but we're like, and we'll, and we'll still make like a few jokes here and there about WWE, but we're not going to do that seriously. I think there's ever since that time when people, when, like there were that whole rumors circulating about people going after AEW contracted talent now that Triple H was back in charge and was trying to get back, but get back a lot of the people that had been released in the last couple of years. I think from that moment on, he's been a bit more agitated working with them or talking about them or thinking about them. And so this right, because t- before then, like you saw Jericho and Big Show and all them make video appearances on Raw, or like the Thank You Cena thing, and then that that all just sort of stopped, and it became way more 
I mean, even the vernacular and the way they would phrase things was more like, I'm a big fan of a lot of things that we've seen in WWE. We're going to put our own spin on something. And then it sort of became like, nah, fuck those guys. <laughs> so it's like, which is infinitely entertaining. And like, there are elements of both NXT and AEW from this week that I thought were really fun and interesting. But this whole Tony Khan situation, I was like, yeah, I'm actually more glued to this than I am on anything else. Cause that's fun. And I want to see this shit happen all the time now. Not that like, if he's in like a crazed state or something like that, I obviously don't wish that on him. But like, just the, from a fan perspective, the idea of, either side just being like nah fuck you then and fuck you and whatever and like there was the thing at the beginning of nxt this week where um we'll talk about the cody rhodes announcement but like i guess it was Ilya dragunov's birthday as well so it was like oh and happy birthday whatever and i was like i wonder if that's a shot you know (laughs) i want to talk about the actual ratings themselves and again like you said there shouldn't really be too much um hand waving about any of that stuff really one way or the other and the tribalism aspect of it is just like absolutely insane and don't really want to be too much part of it but my take on it is that yes nxt won very comfortably in the end at least from the total viewership standpoint i think the the 18 to 49 demo was a lot closer but like nothing uh still still enough of a gap but i think at the end, like nothing was actually proven at the end of this. And it's not sort of even just the point of, you know, AEW was on the wrong nights that they usually would be, and so they were gonna get some kind of drop off anyway, and WWE fans are pretty like loyal and diehard anyway, and NXT has been growing as a been growing in viewership a lot recently, especially with some of the top names already on it, or like making appearances. But like like WWE hasn't proved anything or like you know if there was that sending a message malarkey about like because they didn't really send a message because yeah it's not all just about like you have john cena cody rhodes the undertaker la knight becky lynch oscar all on this show it's like a case of well it's not really nxt beating AEW then is it because this wasn't a normal doesn't say like it wasn't a normal episode of NXT it wasn't a normal episode of AEW either but it's a case of well why didn't you try and if you if you did if you'd beaten them well put it this way if you'd have gone with a more standard episode of NXT still a special episode of NXT like with titles being defended big matches happening and all of your top stars that you have at NXT just going and having like the best match you can put on and you just say, okay, and that beats AEW. Then you go, oh, look, I'll... Our C show beats your best that you can have to offer, yeah. Yeah, yeah, beats the best you can have to offer. And then you can be a bit more braggadocious about it. Or if you lose, you you just do what the Triple H up thing, which is, hey, good, they beat our developmental show. And that's like, and then you can move past it. So either way, WWE can claim a victory. And this one, they can claim a victory. I'm not going to say it's a hollow victory, but it's a case of, well... Pretty much everyone going into this show knew once you'd announced all that stuff you're going that you were going to win. So, what was like? What have you proven otherwise? Like, if you if you, I mean, to be fair, I would have been confident of NXT winning regardless of putting all those names on. So, or I would have at least put if I, if I was a betting man, I would have put the money on NXT winning regardless of having all those big names on it. So, I don't know why they didn't just do it. It would have been a a bigger victory in people's eyes that just the 
the typical NXT roster be AEW's best. But, you know, that's up, up to them. They wanted to hedge their bets and AEW tried to challenge that as best they could and they ended up losing. And so I'm sure, I'm sure like the guys with like WWE or some uh, superstar's name in their, in their uh, Twitter uh, uh, header is going uh, to be like going crazy about this for months and months to come. Mm-hmm. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I think, I think more, most of us can just look at it and say like, hey, it was just a thing that happened tonight and it was actually quite fun just seeing all the interactions and being able to feel like a really small example of like what people were feeling all the time during the Monday Night Wars. You know, and that's that's the and that's the most I think people should take out of it. And you got two pretty fun shows out of it as well. So, before we get into the shows themselves, any other takeaways uh, you have on this, Rob, for the Twitter reactions and stuff? No, I, I think it's it's fun when it's there, but I think they showed why they're not on the same night anymore. I do. I, I did enjoy having Wednesday off, so I do wish they were on the same night. I'll say that. You know, it actually was a little bit easier for me too. <laughs> I mean, I tip yeah, I typically like, record Dynamite and I watch it either at like ten o'clock or so. I mean, for me, it's easy because I don't have to do the coverage on Smart Moment. Dallas takes cover uh, coverage for that, so I usually like I'll use that eight to ten spot to watch like an episode of The Changeling with my wife or something instead, and then I'll be like, all right, I'll watch Dynamite when you go to bed. I got to do the NXT coverage. So um, that I have to watch live, but that was pretty easy for me to overall be like, all right, I'll watch NXT. And then I'll watch dynamite after that. And then on Wednesday, I was I like, will- I'll watch two episodes of the change. <laughs> you know, like- I-, I do want to uh, talk about that because it was nice to have a weeknight that didn't have a wrestling show on it. And I do want all wrestling promotions to consider that for five seconds. But uh, that's my Thursday because yeah, I'm like, yeah. I fuck Thursdays. I ain't watching these other shows. <laughs> I'm not watching Ring of Honor. I'm not watching Impact. Screw you guys. <laughs> I mean, that's more of an out of sight, out of mind. That's uh, very much so. Because obviously, if I wanted to be 100% tapped into everything, I'd be watching everything. But then I reach a point where I go, nah, just nah. <laughs> but let's get into the shows themselves. Um, there actually was quite a bit that happened on both those episodes. Um, obviously, we don't need to break down every single little thing. We don't need to dive deep into Wardlow having another powerbomb walk into the crowd thing with Matt Seidel or something. But uh, we also don't need to go into too much when the you know the Tyler Bate and the Brawling Brutes beat Gallus. Okay, who cares? Pub rules match. There was a spot where they jammed a dart in the one guy's hand. Cool. Um, <laughs> As far as the NXT side of things goes, though, started off with Cody Rhodes announcing three things. He announced the men's NXT breakout tournament will be happening. He didn't say when. That's cool. That was unexpected. The Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic will also be happening. And he didn't say when. And uh, he would. No, he did say when for the men. He did? He said as soon as the as soon as the women's tournament is over, the men's tournament will Okay. So you can assume at the very least with that in mind that the Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic isn't happening for a few weeks. Maybe not even necessarily in 2023. Because the women's breakout tournament is not really set to end. I mean they like they have um Yeah, they they got the graphic out now with the bracket. 
they're not really pushing that along too quickly. It's not like they are having matches on level up just to kind of get through it in two weeks. So far, they've had two matches. We never did Carmen Petrovic against Jada Parker. We haven't done Ariana Grace against Jakar Jackson. So if they're essentially doing one match per week and that's it, we're talking three, four, five, six, seven weeks worth of that just for the women's breakout tournament. And they might double up next week and do the the Grace uh, Jakar Jackson, Parker Petrovic match and do kind of speed it along. But I don't think that we're going to get through the women's breakout tournament, the men's breakout tournament, and then start let alone finish the Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic by the end of the year. It's probably going to start at the beginning of the year. Maybe they have that set to be like the finale is going to be at um, whatever event that they do in like January or February or so. Maybe the uh, Tag Team Classic will actually end with Stand and Deliver, for all we know. But it is coming back. And the other announcement he announced was that he was the special guest general manager for the night. And they had a whole segment setting up stuff for later, and they came back around to it a couple more times. But first, before we get into those, um, you know, just general projections going forward. Who do you think wins the men's breakout tournament? And who do you think wins the Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic? Hillman. <laughs> um, I think Hillman wins the breakout tournament because I don't know anyone else that would fit the old for that right now. I fully disagree. I think King wins. That's <laughs> your um, <laughs> tag team classic. You know, I it's going to be interesting to see how many new teams they throw in there. Do we see the gruesome two? <laughs> we see. Because right now, if you ask me, I would, I would tell you Out the Mud probably wins. Because they're new. But I... It'll be interesting to see who's part of it. You know, maybe there's some main roster team. Shows up. Maybe um, DIY just re-enters the Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic and wins the tournament and fights the Tag Team Championship at Stand and Deliver. Who knows? If you go on the wrestling news, you'll see I posted a thing that breaks down all the potential possible teams, all the potential possible breakout people. And breaking that down into, you know, way more than a lot of people probably would be interested in in some ways. But there's a very good chance that main roster people do pop up on there for the tag team tournament, at least because they'd want to throw those people in there. So, you know, put pretty deadly in there or something. It wouldn't shock me. I think Trick and Mello win the Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic. Because that is something that they have tended to do a lot where they put two people together and they tell the story that the two of them make it through the tag team classic. And then that's kind of one of their big storyline hooks of the whole thing. And that could be how they lose the tag title shot. And the reason why they split finally, I'm going to go that yeah. them and I'm going to go Pillman slash King. Any predictions uh, jumping forward for that? Cal? Um, I mean, your, your predictions seem like they make the most logical sense to, to go with those. So, so yeah, King wins the breakout tournament, and then, um, yeah, Melo and Trick sounds like a good pairing to win the tag titles, win, win the tag classic, and then challenge for the tag titles. And that's, of course, if it goes way too far in the future where they've already done the split or something, then, you know, maybe Tony D and Stacks aren't even champions. And there's a lot to unpack when it comes to that, but they bothered to have Cody announce it. So, yeah, it's coming at some point, or at least that's the current plan. So we'll track that more in the future. 
But we had a couple other matches here and there, a couple other segments to talk about here. Um, Asuka beat Roxanne, so she kept up her winning streak, which makes perfect sense. And they did a bunch of... Which I did, didn't even click with me, I'm going to be honest with you, until they said Asuka's never lost in NXT after she won. And I was like, oh, that's right. Because, you know, the NXT Asuka is not the main roster. Asuka. Right. I was kind of thinking maybe Roxanne could win until they said that. They had a little thing backstage afterward where everybody was just kind of nervously going up to Asuka to say hello. And Blair Davenport spoke in Japanese and Tiffany Stratton cut the line and whatever. And, you know, they kind of played into some of that stuff. Um, they had an interesting little thing where Tegan Knox came over to Lyra Valkyria to say she knows now what she needs to do to beat Becky Lynch. So can you just wait to have your title match? Which <laughs> Lyra's like, Fuck no, you <laughs> You're fucking dumb. Uh, I'm not getting rid of my title shot. You already lost, bitch. And I was like, yeah, all right, that's good. So I don't know if they're going to head down a Tegan Knox heel turn route, but we've seen this story play out like that before. So might have to add Tegan Knox turning heel to my predictions around that Survivor Series time. I think. Yeah, I think this stuff was really good. Women, I think NXT the women probably most strongly out of any major American brand right now. That's not Impact. But it's a major. <laughs> We're going to get a bada bing, bada boom, battle royal. <laughs> That's fantastic. Cody Rose yelling gabagoo. was <laughs> one of the funniest things I've seen. Oh, it's funny that the beginning of the episode, the crowd's going yeet, yeet, yeet. yeet. <laughs> yeah, they, they're they're bringing the yeet back around. Yeah. Or uh, Sammy is having fun with the yeet. Uh, Cody is now. I <laughs> think it's a good time. So bada boom, bada bing, bada bing, bada boom. I don't forget which one they did. It should be bada bing, bada boom. Uh, Battle Royal next week is going to be determining the number one contenders for Stax and Tony D. Nobody stands out to me. Wouldn't shock me if almost any of the teams win. Um, I really think Osotario should get a shot. You know? They didn't get a one-on-one shot. They got a, a four-way. Hey, you gotta watch out, though. The more that you say, I didn't get a one-on-one shot, the more likely you might be gone. Look what happened to Mustafa Ali. <laughs> that is true. Uh, they did a little cena Braun Breaker thing, mostly just to hype up later on. Um, Baron Corbin wants to have a title shot against Dragunov, which Cody Rhodes was like, oh, you totally deserve to potentially get one, but so does the winner of Breaker and Carmelo Hayes, and so does Dijak. So there's going to be a triple threat next week to determine Dijak's, um, or Dragunov's new challenger for Halloween Havoc, which you could go with Dijak, you could go with uh, Corbin, or you could go with the one who actually did win. Carmelo Hayes was able to beat Braun Breaker in the main event. And we'll come back around to that in a minute too, but uh, I'm going to say Baron Corbin pulls that off and he wins. I'd rather Corbin get it here than get it at deadline. Because I, I love Baron Corbin. I think he's fantastic. WWE does not, and I don't feel like a two-month program of maybe it's Baron Corbin because you know it's not. So do it a hell of a habit. Come to think of it, though, it wouldn't shock me if they go with Ijack just for that sake, because Corbin is a bigger name for Deadline. Hmm. 
There was a weird segment here where Nathan Fraser was signing around Axiom, Brooks Jensen, Josh Briggs, Dante Chen, and Tatum Paxley. <laughs> like, what, what does this group have in common? And he was just like, hey, Dom, you shouldn't treat people poorly. And Dom's like, who the fuck are you? And Rhea's like, well, he's not a champion, so he's a nobody. And I'm like, yeah, fuck that guy then, you know? <laughs> like, I know you're supposed to think of it more as like, oh, Dom and Rhea, what jerks? And I'm like, no, they they have every right to be like, yeah, you can just fuck off. <laughs> you really do just enjoy the assholes. I think that's <laughs> the thing with you. Like, uh, it was a weird segment, mostly because of who was all hanging around. He makes sense as the next challenger, logically. Hey, somebody Dom can beat. He's also got ties to Seth Rollins. You can tie into the main roster. He does? He was trained by him. Ah, shit. I didn't know that. On the, um, the Black and, what's it called? Black and Brave. I was going to say Black and Mild. <laughs> They still own a coffee shop, um, don't they? It's uh, Rollins and uh, Cesaro own a coffee shop that's like tied into that. I think they do, actually. Yeah. I guess that's like um, black and uh, with a little bit of cream or something. Um, that a uh, Trick Williams, John Cena, Carmelo Hayes thing backstage. Dragonoff beat Dominic Mysterio. They led the whole big thing with that. Um, bouncing around here to see what else was happening. JC Jane. Was uh, messing around with Chase University for a little bit. Paul Heyman was talking about how Braun Breaker's got more potential than Ricker Scott Steiner. Brian Pelman Jr. actually showed up on screen more so than he had done before and cut a promo about how his dad died when he was only four. So he doesn't really know his dad and he doesn't want people to think of Brian Pillman when they see his face. So he's going to go by the name of the guy who actually did raise him, which is King. And we know by the trademarks, Lexus King is going to be his name. There's worse names, but it's still just, I wish he was Brian Pillman Jr. So I was down with the promo because I was surprised at how they took it in a different direction. I do fear that maybe the stepfather wasn't the best. So people are a bit uh, oh, that's weird. iffy on the name choice there. But I know that the Lexus is because he had a sister that actually was getting in the business and then passed away. So her name was, you know, Alexis. Oh. So he's taking the name for Maybe her. she might have even wanted to go by that name. Um, so that's, that's really cool that, I, that they're going to tie all that stuff together. I'm interested. Someone didn't get a lot of mic time in AEW. It's going to be interesting to see how they develop that character. I also want to backtrack a little bit because you talked about Brombreaker and Heyman. I thought that that segment was great. I thought I could see for five seconds that pairing being something that they explore further. And we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about the fact that Paul Heyman also spoke to Ava. A lot of second generation love. On this NXT, which is pretty nah, cool. That was an NXT Anonymous spy job. We still don't know who NXT Anonymous is supposed to be, right? Nope. It's anonymous. I guess it makes sense. So the only other thing to talk about was the whole setup at the end where Braun Breaker grabbed a mic, said 
he's the only real badass in WWE, whether he won or lost. And that prompted The Undertaker to come out. And he had the whole American badass thing going on, choke slammed him, said, you know, you might be great and all that, but not today. And uh, that he's the biggest badass. So that was The Undertaker's spot. <laughs> For anybody that's wondering. Which is exactly what I knew it would be. I was like, okay, okay, he's going to go through the guy who calls himself a badass. I thought it was a really good episode. I thought it was a really strong episode. I don't like that you were so dismissive of the Ava segment. I think that's going to lead to a lot more. Uh, Joe Gacy did tell her to find another family. Luckily for her, she's got a very famous <laughs> one. You know, I'm dismissive of it because I could see them just doing that for the sake of the tease and not actually following through or even just if she does pop up, she's not good. So she's not going to really affect anything from, you know, ah, man, now we got this great new addition to the main roster or something. I could just see her being like there. I mean, she's not good in between the ropes, but she's a great addition to the story. Got to finish that goddamn story. <laughs> <laughs> Needs to be finished. Um, that's the linchpin for Cody Rhodes. <laughs> Ava. Uh, yeah, that's that's who I'm talking about. <laughs> um, yeah, but I, I thought it was a really fun episode. Um, Calum, did you see any highlights at all that stuck out to you? No, I didn't watch any of that either. Okay, I, I thought you might have seen a clip or two. Um, yeah, let's uh, get into dynamite then. Dynamite had their fair share of some good segments too. We got just to run down quick match results of some of those things. Powerhouse Hobbs beat Chris Jericho. The Wardlow thing happened. I mentioned before we had what we were basically talking about with Jay White, Hangman Page, uh, Swerve Strickland, and Brian Danielson match of you know makes more sense for Brian Danielson to win and for Jay White to win and all. We'll talk a little bit more about the Jay White MJF thing. Come back around to that. It started off with that pre-show thing. Eddie Kingston retained over Minoru Suzuki. We definitely want to mention that that had happened. We got two title changes. Those are pretty big. And um, yeah. the I would say my biggest takeaways when it came to the Dynamite thing are the two title changes and the MJF segment. What about you guys? Well, um... Adam Copeland wrestled. That was nice. Yeah, he beat Luchasaurus. But to me, that like nothing really happened there that like shocked me. Or the end of it set something up, and I think the Brian Danielson Swerve match was phenomenal. And I, I think the MJF thing was the biggest talking point for not the right reasons. But I would say, yeah, title changes MJF and Danielson beating Swerve and coming out later to save Edge. I think um, something that isn't as big as the main stuff that we'll talk about, but should go on record is the um, is Hobbs squashing Chris Jericho. Like he beat him like pretty mercilessly for about in about like five to ten minutes. Like it was not, it it was not uh, a, like you know a back and forth affair. It was very very one sided, and I think now they're going on a very at least the hope is that this is a renewed, renewed and very focused push on Hobbs as a destroyer for the the Don Callis family. And yeah, I, I would just continue to appreciate Jericho the worker because he puts loads of guys over. 
and everyone just argues that he just takes TV time for himself, and yet he just gets beaten and beaten and beaten and beaten <laughs> over and over again. And yet people think, oh, he, you know, he ruins people's careers, and he just takes, he just all the focus is on himself. So I want to okay. have a have a little discussion about that because the reason I didn't bring up Hobbs as a major point because to me it will all be in the follow through because you can beat Jericho as the Calum pointed out a lot of people have but sometimes the follow through isn't there so I'm hoping that it will be for Hobbs and I also want to appreciate Jericho the worker because I feel like this is the only podcast where I can do so because. I think a lot of the talk with Jericho now is people have their conceptions and they're not wavering. And I think they're missing out on the fact that Jericho is still performing at a very high level at this stage in his career and appreciate that while it's here because can't go for much longer. You know what I mean? So I also thank you for allowing me to say that because it's true. Jericho doing great stuff and it should be appreciated oh also kind of tangentially but cool thing the uh picture of soraya and edge and danielson about the whole um yeah that was them being like hey you know all of us were forced to retire and look at that we're wrestling again it's like yeah it's awesome that is awesome um they deserve it they're all wrestling at relatively the same pace as well like you know, Brian arguably doing some of his best stuff. So, good for all of them. So let's talk about that MJF segment. <laughs> He's got a, a lot of flack for this. Um, with Especially with the whole Israeli-Palestinian uh, conflict that's going on right now. Um, the idea being, you shouldn't make a story about... Uh, Jews being persecuted and being discriminated against and all during this time frame. And then the other side of the argument, well, why not? You can talk about almost everything. And that's, you know, he's telling a story here and trying to take what his reality was and make that into part of a story and all. I can see both sides of the argument. I'm going to just say that regardless of the conflict that's currently ongoing, I don't think people would have liked this. I think the same people didn't like it. Even if you remove the current conflict, they're still going to not like it because it's, even with MJF signing off on it, it's too lowbrow. Stop me if you think I'm wrong, but there You're are wrong. too many. Go ahead. <laughs> so... This is this is this is the uh, the focal point of MJF's character. He's he's mentioned it like on at least two, if not more, promo segments. This is the fundamental basis of his character. Is the, is this quarters incident? This is what made him who he is. He said it, yeah. So it's, as I said it multiple times. He but this incident and being targeted by that was coloured his entire perception of the world. And forced him to get tough and to not trust anyone or not be attached to anyone until obviously the most recent stuff with Adam Cole. So 
yeah, this is this is a personal story for him. And people, I know optics are a thing, and people, and this whole tragedy that's happening in Israel and Gaza is not the ideal time to do this. So, yes, the timing is very, very bad. But this is a personal story for MJF. Certainly not lowbrow because it is the entire basis of his character is this story. And also the quarters thing that um, uh, Juice Robinson brings up is also intrinsic to his character because multiple times in matches he has hit someone in the head with a stack of quarters. Like that is part of his character and he is using that to target a very individual incident that happened to MJF. So, yes, the timing is not perfect, but this is not a this is not a, a lowbrow or like focusing on that approach. This is a very deep this is and this is Jay White and his crew preying on the most vulnerable moment of MJF's psyche and utilizing it to try and get him off of his game. So, I think it's actually something? quite quite nuanced. That's it. I agree with you. But I was saying is, I think the people on social media who complained would have not liked this being brought up whatsoever because regardless of it being something he's talked about, they wouldn't like the idea that it's, you know. Just black and white, just do not touch anything like that. That's what I'm getting at, is that I think those people would not have seen exactly what Callum just laid out. I think I think people need to sometimes question about what they want bad guys to do. Mm-hmm. Yes. For that matter, I think a lot of people really need to take a step back and wonder whether or not they're actually offended about some things or if they are just offended about the idea behind something and they want to like be upset. Not to say that they can't be cuz you can be upset about anything, you can be offended about anything. Obviously, whether or not it applies to you is, you know, there's different weights to things like I personally uh, am not able to talk about something like, you know, if something's going on in South Africa, because it's like I have no connection to that whatsoever. So I can't say like to anybody, you shouldn't be upset about that. But like, I don't know, maybe watch the rest of the show. And when that segment comes on, tune out, because then that way you can send a message to them that that's the thing that you're upset about. Instead of being like, AEW has lost me entirely as a customer now. I'm never going to pay attention to anything else they've ever done because this thing's offensive. And I don't know. I mean, by that rationale, shouldn't you be upset about the Swerve story? Right. Yeah, but I think that the there's the big thing about that as well is the case of, again, this is a personal story about this part of MJF's character. And it's a case of if the end result was that Juice Robinson just beats the shit out of him with the stack of quarters and leaves him in a bloody heap. And, you know, and then every single week afterwards, he just keeps knocking him out with the with the stack of quarters and he keeps losing and he keeps getting beaten up and he ends up failing. Then, yeah, that is a really terrible, shitty story that you should be that you shouldn't be telling. But we all know MJ's going to beat the shit out of Juice Robinson and stand victorious hopefully, over it. You know, hopefully he, you know, uses the weapon against him. I think... And honestly, it's so clear that MJF wants to do this. That's yeah, I, yeah. I think it. I think it matters to him that he wants this to be a positive story of like overcoming the type of um, bullying that he so. suffered. Yeah. So, so yeah, I, I, I personally don't have an issue with this. But then again, 
I'm obviously I'm not Jewish and I'm not part of that community so I don't know if if people want to take offense to it they're more than welcome to again and I'm not trying to position this as saying like you shouldn't be taking offense to it if it's not for you it's not for you but like personally I think that it's actually a good story to tell and I think it adds it's adding a lot of gravitas to this feud which I think is desperately needed after so much of this bro chacho's stuff like MJF was getting very unserious and now this is finally got his focus back where he's at his best so so that's, I agree. that that for me is the positive out of this is that he's finally taking a feud seriously and we've finally got a feud that's focused on you know wanting to be the world champion I, I completely agree and I think they're the perfect real scumbags to because at this point to call it what it is MJF is like full baby face you know, and I think that they're a really good heel group for him to work against. And, yeah, I mean, I, I, I'll say this. I didn't love it, but I myself need to take a step back and wonder how much of that didn't I love because I know that the discourse is going to follow. And that's the part that irritates me. But, like, I think it's good for the character. And it's there, there's the meme now that MJF always has the villain origin story with everybody, but like these are real things, and whatever it is, MJF tells real stories about his experiences, and I think this would be a good one. Well, let's talk about those title changes. First up, John Moxley was supposed to go up against Ray Phoenix, and this continuation of this international championship is just we had this. Big, long, great run with Orange Cassidy. He drops it to Moxley. Moxley gets injured. He drops it to Phoenix in a fiasco of a match situation of what's going on there. Phoenix is all banged up, so he's going to drop it back to Moxley, who's not cleared to compete, so let's have Orange Cassidy come in and win the title from Ray Phoenix. I hope this doesn't end with John Moxley beating Orange Cassidy and coming back around to that. Cause I think that it at will. this point you need to pivot and you need to do something else. I'd rather somebody else beat Orange Cassidy and Moxley beat that person. I apologize in advance. It will. That's so lame to me if they just do that. Cause then it's like, why not just fucking hand them the title? Well, the thing that like Mox wasn't supposed to lose it. And I, Especially when it's done for reasons and it's done sporadically like this, or sporadically like this, I think the trade-off isn't too bad. You know, like, I don't mind, hey, wow, new champion, new champion, because we're on the other fucking channel, Roman Reigns champion for like 1,200 days. And, you know, some of that is just stale. And I understand the weight of making championships mean more, but... Now you're telling the story of it's a very competitive scene. And can Cassidy hold on to the belt or will he fall short to John Moxley again? See, I'd rather it be like Claudio beats Cassidy. Or say uh looking at the roster right now, like Cassidy loses it to Actually, there's nobody that really like stands out to me right at this moment, especially because I don't think he should drop it next week. But like, 
I don't know, say Cassidy loses it a couple weeks from now or maybe even a couple of months from now, depending on when Moxley's going to be cleared to compete against like Nick Wayne. And then Nick Wayne loses it to Moxley. I just don't want to see, okay, and then we come back around and Moxley beats Cassidy again because the only story that we can tell is, I mean, at least we got the belt back on Moxley and let's just do the Cassidy match again. I think if you're in a position like this, you need to try a little harder. Well, I also think that we're going to see a really cool story told where Orange Cassidy is going to want to cut that same pace. You know, he's going to be very, I'm not defending this title, no. Like, no, I'm not losing again. And you tell that story of his personality changing. There's a great tweet, I can't remember the, the person, I apologize, that showed the differences between Cassidy's first title win and his second where this time he's just obsessed with the title. Whereas before he was like, whatever. And now he's like, this gives me purpose. And I barely acknowledge my friends are out there with me. Yeah. I I don't think the biggest story is like when Moxley's going to get that rematch or when he's going to potentially win the title back. I think the, the big story is what this means for Cassidy's character, which I think would gone in a bit of a, a weird direction after him dropping the title in the first place. But now you've got a really good opportunity with this these bizarre circumstances that it might just fall into your lap of doing a bit of a twist in Cassidy's character. As Rob says, that tweet that came out of showing the first title celebration, which was just him looking at the crowd and feeling like he acknowledged that he finally made it after always being considered that he never would and celebrating with best friends and all that other great stuff was just like completely counteracting what his victory in this match was which he won pretty quickly and beat the shit out of phoenix to do so like like phoenix was hurt pretty badly and could probably could have been beaten even sooner but Cassidy had to make sure that he would get the the pin and then him standing in the ring just staring at the title not acknowledging the friends around him not acknowledging the fans at all just absolutely obsessed with the title in his hands i think we're going to see a golem character develop here like this is a guy who wants that title who after losing that title now doesn't want to ever let it go again i think the real smart decision or at least initial decision to go with this is you have the match between moxley and cassidy at full gear and mox and cassidy beats him yeah that's like what i want to say but especially if he not that i want him to turn heel but especially if he does something that's a little like desperate to kind of retain it. I don't I don't think he should turn permanently heel. I think he should be slightly heel while holding this title. Like teetering that edge, kind of. Yeah, I think just taking slightly more desperate measures or just a win at all costs mentality. And what I would do is you can tell another little story about this, just use these circumstances to your advantage and basically have full gear comes up. You have Cassidy defend the title a few times in the meantime, but you you show that slightly more heelish desperation to win. And then you have his match against Moxley at full gear. You have Cassidy win, and then you build up to the rubber match at Winter is Coming or something like that. And then you and then you can go either way. You can either reaffirm Cassidy as the champion or you have Moxley win. But then at least uh, Cassidy's had another substantial, meaningful reign for his character. Even if it isn't as long as the first reign, it's meaningful for his character to have that title reign. And then you can make something of it. And still then 
revert back to Moxley being the guy holding the title. You know, have yeah. a, um, a Texas death match or something like that to finish it off. Actually, I like that wrinkle of get to the rubber match. But I also think that he definitely, definitely needs to refuse to defend this title. He'd say, no, I was the fightingest champion. I'm not, no. He can do it in his Orange Cassidy way, but has to be very definitive, like, no, I think, not defending. I think that's difficult just because I don't think, and, and again, he's proven me wrong at every single turn of Orange Cassidy's career that he can, if you say you, he can't do something, he ends up doing it. But I would struggle to believe that people would want him to turn fully heel. And that's, the, the refusal to defend your title is, is a heel move. I think he can still do like small heelish things in his matches, but should still be, you should still always be tying the line of him. He's not a full blown heel. As soon as he says that he's not defending the title, he's full blown heel. So I think there, you need to. There's a way to do it because, like, you're, you're telling the opposite story right now with Max, where Max is like, all right, I actually wrestled like twice in one show and I've been wrestling every week. I'm taking two weeks off. You know what I mean? Something akin to that, but in like an Orange Cassidy spin, because I think you need to tell the story of like his self worth is now in that title. Whereas he was used to be whatever about everything. Now he cares about something. It's like, like you said, it's like the, you know, Gollum, my precious. He needs to do that. And I think you only get there by refusing. To cut the same pace that you did. He's not the outright refuse to defend, but definitely he can't go on the same tear that he did. I mean, they can get away with Orange Cassidy's character where they could have a segment where somebody's like, Oh yeah, how about you put that belt up for uh grabs tonight? And then he just goes, Nah, and walks away. Like people would be like, Ah, it's funny. And then they can right. kind of play into that a little bit and have it be like, Well, you know, I mean, you haven't actually like why haven't you done that? And he can Again, play into the fun element and be like, "Yeah, I'm tired. I don't, I don't want to do it today and stuff." And then it could get to the point where he has to, and, and then know. eventually somebody calls him out, like, "Wait, this isn't just you being whatever. You're not defending." Yeah, but yeah. I mean, I could definitely see him have a match with Hook over the title as well at some point. Being the fact that they were they their team, and Hook's the one that got him this opportunity. If you'd watched the um, yeah, the setup for show. that, yeah, so. So yeah, I could definitely see them end up having a match as well, and maybe cause a few fractures there. But but yeah, I think this is I think this is a fun story. I, mean, I think they're making the best out of a really unfortunate set of circumstances. But now, when it comes to Hikaru Shida beating Soraya, that kind of took me by surprise because I figured, okay, well, you know, the Moxley thing going into it, well, just assume tomorrow right, the. Moxley title change wasn't supposed to happen, so they're just going to switch it back to him, and that's the end of it. And probably Hikarashita is going to lose, and Soraya retains, and they just have a title match for the sake of it. But they have a pack to Shida again. She is uh, now a three-time champion, and first ever. My gut instinct was to immediately go, "Oh, she's transitional, and she's going to lose that to Tony Storm." No, I, I mean, I, I kind of hope that's not the case, but obviously there's a very high possibility because Shida, since her first reign, has had another reign where she was transitional. 
so she could be another transitional one. Um, I, I don't want to see that because uh, and I'm probably going against the the grain here, but I'm not a fan of this. What well, I'm not a fan of how silly the characters become. It, it started obviously a little bit silly and like over the top, but she still kind of wrestled seriously. Now she's wrestling like a joke, and I think that and that stupid. Uh, silent film segment that she had on yeah, they lost show as well. That sucked. Yeah, okay, I'm glad that you yeah, guys they, weren't loving that because I thought that was stupid. Well, they, they've, like, it's one of those things that I think, um, as Joel Lanza describes it, is like, they've become a salty hammer company in certain aspects, which is a which is something that they always, you've always um, gone with WWE, which is they have some little wrinkle of somebody's character that's a little bit funny or gets a bit of traction. And then just hammer it home the same way that like Daniel Garcia has to do the dance pretty much every second in his matches now. Yeah. It's like like you you know, play it a little bit like be a bit clever about it rather than just going, haha, she's silence movie movie star, she do silent movie now, and then just like hammer it home that she's a silent movie star, she's timeless Tony Storm. Hammer, 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 hammer. And uh yeah, and the fact that Rod Roderick Strong has to shout shout Adam every thirty seconds. Mm -hmm. like, Those segments yeah. have gotten to the point where I don't even really watch them, yeah. to be honest. Yeah, it's just like yeah, it's just like stop like go back to being like do it, do bits and pieces of it, but you know, be be I don't know, about it, but be a bit more reserved, restrained about it. Find more clever ways of it coming up. So so yeah, I'm not I think the Tony Storm character is going to go on a bit of a journey now. I think that there's uh, speculation about a faction being built around her with um, like Mariah May coming in at some point, hopefully. But I think in the meantime, you need to just go somewhat serious with Hikaru Shida and take it. I think that the, the long-term plan should be to get the belt on back on Jamie Hayter when she's back. I don't know who's the person that she beat for the title. Tony Storm would somewhat make sense as the person that took it off of her in the first place. But like pretty much up until that point, then you you, you could have a good reign with Sheeda as champion and give her the actual reign that she should have had would that she should have had the first time around if people would have been around the place to watch her do it. So, you know, I'm not gonna hold my breath because it does like does have the air of a transitional reign, but then again, Soraya's ended up being a transitional reign because she just went from Sheeda back to Sheeda. Like, I think it's as obvious now as anything that Soraya won the title because it was Wembley, Wembley and that's it. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which was something so, that so we had speculated before it was like, uh, let's see what happens with this. And now Sheeda was feuding with Baker. And they kind of dropped that for a minute, but I wonder if they pick that up again. I know Baker had previously stated that she didn't want to be champion again, but, you know, that changes. I'd like to see new women get a shot as well, but I think right now it might be best to play to your strengths. Tony Storm, unfortunately, if this week is any indication, might no longer be one of those strengths. I would like to see... I'd like to see Riho get another shot. At it. You know, like I want to see them actually... Try again, because I think people were too hard on that first few months because they just didn't understand what they were being given. So I'd like to see that try again. There's also the 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 like looming presence of Mercedes Monet as well. That's yes. when, if and when she inevitably joins, 
AEW, how long is it going to be until she's holding the title? You would imagine not too long, but it depends on what sort of deal she would have with AEW if she does end up signing. But she is still contracted to New Japan as well. Yeah, but and, I mean, and, when and so I think, if and when she does pop up, you know she's getting that belt. Like, they'd be stupid not to give it to her. And yeah, maybe that is the plan, is to just have her beat Sheeta when they can get her. And Sheeta's there as, like, not, not the, the John Cena or whatever, but, like, this reliable person you can always give the belt to. And she can hold it and rack up a number of title runs and kind of take care of it that way. I think, like... Because it, it probably makes sense to have bring Mercedes in as a heel. It seems that it fits her character usually the best. And then, but I've, I've, to be honest, I'm like I'm seeing a lot of uh, positive signs in the women's division, which is obviously you know you don't want to get too uh, locked into because they they uh, burn you so many times through them. But this whole Sky Blue is clearly turning heel and is joining Julia Hart's Julia. faction. Yeah, yeah. So there's, there's there's character growth there. I think that they've also teased signs that Willow might be turning as well with that. And I think that I think that it would be a good story to tell is like her conflicting, potentially turning, not turning. Like maybe just tell the story that Willow is the, has like the purest heart of anybody in AEW, and so she just can't be turned by Julia Hart. But yeah, so there's some there is some character development happening all over the place. There's some good stuff happening in Ring of Honor still with you know Athena and Billy Starks. I just want Athena to be on the quote unquote main roster now because I think it's it's taken long enough. She's doing great work in Ring of Honor, but you know that ship is kind of sailed. Put her on the actual show show that people are watching. Listen, she's carrying Ring of Honor. They lose her. They lose. I, I real quick. I don't want to watch Ring of Honor. Ring of Honor is... <laughs> it's seriously like, why Why is this not on YouTube? Why is it behind a paywall? Make that part make sense to me. That that part I'm 100% serious about. Make it make sense. Because what? why is this show behind a $10 paywall? I mean, it's not really... The, well, the show's behind a $10 like, paywall, but then you're also getting access to all the Ring of Honor archives and stuff like that as well. So... So I understand the reason for, I understand the reason why they have a separate Ring of Honor club for it. They might as well try and, you know, make money off this thing as well. Like if you don't want to pay for it or you don't want to watch it, then that's totally up to you. Yeah, but... I think the catalog is great. I'm just saying, like, your mainline show as it is, being behind the paywall, doesn't I don't think it's beneficial to them. No, they probably should be doing something to get like if they were to make it free or at least make some episodes free, they'd get more eyeballs on it and maybe like, you know, get more fans to it because I mean, they've tried to pepper in, well, as we've seen, they try and pepper in Ring of Honor stuff on the, the main shows, but uh, I don't know. I don't know what effect it's having. Again, I don't have the numbers in front of me to say like, oh, subscribers have gone up X fold since they started introducing some Ring of Honor people on TV. But but, you know, I just want to see the best people on the the main TV shows. And Athena's one of the best women's workers in the world at the moment. So she should be on the on either Collision or Dynamite and Rampage rather than just being confined to Ring of Honor. So, you know, but, the, but there are some there are some positive signs that seem to be going in somewhat the right direction. But who knows when that's going to change? 
arguably Athena should be the AEW women's champion doing her stuff. Thing, yeah. And then Ring of Honor should be messing around with I don't know, Sky Blue. The younger upstarts. Sky Blue is champion or Julia Hart is champion or, you know, messing around uh mm. with somebody that they can kind of not have to put out as much emphasis on because hey, that's like you don't want to call it this, but it is it. It's their NXT. But then again, NXT has Becky Lynch as the women's champion. So. It's their NXT yeah. level up, brother. Like, it's it's level up. Uh, no, I, seriously. Like, I, I have big issues with the way that they present Ring of Honor. But I also agree with Cal, and I think that there are positive signs in the women's division. I just hope that the consistency is there. So, gun to your head, right now, who beats Sheeta? Uh, Mercedes Manai. Thunder Rosa. Forgot about Rosa. Uh, I'm going to go Tony Storm. So um, three different options there. And when Baker wins it, we're going to go. Okay, you know. I'll be the only one celebrating and everybody else will groan. Well, uh, hold on. Uh, you know, I do have Baker on my team for the women's mock draft thing, which for anybody that's wondering, that's going to be coming up soon. We already did the mock draft for that this week. We'll be doing the matchmaker side of it, talking about the pay-per-view that we can break down, which we've made changes to our rosters out of the mock draft, which is kind of interesting. And we'll explain that when it comes around to it. Um, But yeah, there's been a couple little tweaks to that. Um, I think actually all three of us made changes, didn't we? I know at least Um, Calum and I did. Did you change anybody? I didn't solidify any changes yet. I did think about picking up somebody that you dropped. Yeah, yeah we, need so. to talk about, we need to talk about that because if you're not picking her up, I want to pick her up. So, yeah, that's, that's <laughs> uh, let us know who you think that that might be in the comments. Ooh, yeah. mystery. Oh. <laughs> All right, so let's get into SmackDown for tonight. Round out these hot tags with actually quite a bit, <laughs> to be honest. It's funny enough. Now, well, a lot of this is stuff that I we saw something pop up before we get into SmackDown. That was another breaking thing. We're running into this report that oh, it's from Fightful that Fightful Select has learned WWE has been planning to have Randy Orton back by Survivor Series. Hmm. So, hmm. could change some things. We could have Randy Orton back. We've got some kind of a date, and I miss Randy Orton. So I'm glad that he's healthy and able to do a little bit. Hoping that uh, we got some good stuff coming up in the future with him for sure. I'm glad to see that he is on that recovery to return instead of it just being like, yeah, you know, the update is it's still not all that good or, you know. So the things advertised for tonight, at least as far as an official capacity is concerned, Pretty Deadly is going to go up against uh, Ridge Holland and Butch. I like them, but honestly, who fucking cares? Especially in comparison to some of these other things. Roman Reigns looks going to return. You know, they've milked a lot of that whole Roman Reigns returns this, this thing. This one's an actual return. He hasn't been around since SummerSlam. It's ridiculous. John Cena's going to be there because they just... a match with Roman Reigns at Crown Jewel. Most likely. Because it doesn't seem like they're going to go with the AJ Styles one or the LA Knight one. And Triple H will make a, quote, special appearance. Now, originally, they had said... He'll make an announcement. 
And now, since then, they've been using the phrasing, make a special appearance. And if you click on the the actual breakdown of the show, like the October 13th page, it just says, Triple H to make a special appearance. Next week on the episode, tonight on the episode, Triple H will make a special appearance. So they are not saying that he's announcing anything, but we need to start getting into some of the other spoiler type things. So if you don't want to know potential spoilers of tonight, earmuffs, children. earmuffs, you know, uh, we're at this point, just click off. Cause you know, like, now nah, mute, the, mute the video and let it keep going. Give me the watch time. Yeah, well, <laughs> but yeah, earmuffs, earmuffs. A lot of these stories are coming from boozer on Twitter. Some of them from wrestle votes to kind of back things up. And then of course elsewhere, it's kind of chiming in with their thoughts and whatever. And then fightful, you know, a legitimate source. Uh, boozer's been doing really good just to get that out there (laughs) boozer's been hitting a lot the cm punk stuff is still kind of uh, that's body i don't know what's going on with that one but even then uh houseman keeps reporting stuff and whatever so you know yeah but that's kind of you know it's another story for another day but boozer had said something about a, a segment being added to fast lane that didn't end up happening and he's teasing that that might happen tonight so that's something to pay attention to on top of that few ideas floating around for triple h's announcement no one knows yet this is from four hours ago and for context it's 5 34 when we're recording this right now so something might break in the meantime no one knows yet but it could be one of the following war games a tournament romans crown jewel opponent return of show managers new titles only triple h knows Continuing on with that, there was a tease of an Eric Bischoff gif. And then the news just gets put out there. Nick Aldis is going to debut on SmackDown tonight as SmackDown's new general manager. And we can kind of assume that Adam Pierce is going to be either the raw general manager or that Adam Pierce will be used as like the overseer overall for WWE. And that maybe some other person is going to become the raw general manager and it'll be like pierce over the two of them i think the more simple explanation is probably that it's just pierce is going to be on raw and smackdown's going to have nick aldis wrestlevote says rumors of nick aldis debuting tonight on raw as smackdown general manager source states that within the last month there were discussions and ideas thrown around to see if aldis's wife mickey james would be interested in such a role as co-gms this doesn't look to be happening though. Yeah, yeah no shit. She's headlining behind for glory. <laughs> you know, it's like yeah. I, I, I know WWE would be so focused on not having her wrestle. Yeah, still I don't so know. good. Yeah. It's always seemed weird to me that with Mickey, it's always like, yeah, we know she's great. We don't we really want to use her. Why? <laughs> yeah, but then again, I'm always been a Mickey fan. Uh, we know that we're going to get some Street Profits and Bobby uh, Lashley and the LWO stuff tonight and all that kind of crap. You know, they're going to kind of bounce around with some of that stuff, too. But um, some other teases that Boozers put out, the trade happens tonight. Also, you might get shocked. I ask you to let it take its time to cook to conclude. Tonight, they meet for the first time. Also tonight, another meet for the first time. Meet EET, not EAT. It's not like Stacy X coming soon. Rhodes gets a huge reminiscent moment. And <coughs> excuse me. 
He had also tweeted out uh, to Logan Paul being on the poster for Crown Jewel, which doesn't seem like Logan Paul is really going to be doing that. Uh, seems to be Austin Theory and Grayson Waller might fight for the tag titles they tonight. Announced that. WWE announced that. Oh, it's on the site? It wasn't the last time I refreshed it. Oh, yeah, it is. Okay. So Cody Rose and Jey Uso are going to fight Theory and Grayson Waller is added to there. Um, whoever is there, make sure to stay after Sammy Ray Lee versus Imperium post SmackDown. Big opening for tonight to be the tonight they meet for the first time. The another meet for the first time thing has been followed up with as a quote: "Have you met our newest acquisition?" So Jade's there's been on everything. It seems like it's Jade meeting somebody for one of them, and I would assume it's probably Flair. Is like Jade Cargill has some kind of a backstage thing with Flair. What do you guys think? Yeah, I would say so. He hasn't met anybody outside of Shawn Michaels and Triple H yet, so. That makes sense. But yeah, also Bianca is on SmackDown, isn't she? I mean, she's on the roster, but she hasn't been there for a while. Yeah, I'll, I'll say Flair, but that is another option. What do you guys think the other meet is going to be? Sean Stasiak? Um, I don't know because if we're getting the trade, maybe it's something like that. Maybe it's like, um, a rule person coming out to SmackDown. Wait, what'd you say? A rule person coming out to SmackDown. Yeah, I mean, yeah. the trade is somebody from Raw is going to switch over to SmackDown because they had been talking about that with the Jey Uso thing, which I still keep thinking that it's Cody, but. Maybe it is somebody else for all we know. Maybe it's actually, I don't know. There's nobody that comes to mind that I can think of that's on raw that could go over to SmackDown and that could be like, and then they're going to meet somebody for the first time. Cause it's not like if a Chad Gable comes over, it's going to be like, Ooh, he's meeting Carlito for the first time. Or, you know what I mean? The or anything do we, do that we, I can think of. Well, do we know it's like, how how have they worded this in terms of the meeting side of it? Is it not just a case of the audience meets their new ac- the new SmackDown acquisition instead of like somebody on the roster meets the new SmackDown acquisition? For at least as far as this uh, tease from Boozer is just tonight dot 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 they meet for the first time. Okay, and then that also that that's the beginning of the night, big opening for t- uh, for the night. So whatever it is, it's going to happen first, which may even be tied into the Triple H announcement, or it might be a, like, for all we know, this could be Triple H starts off the night to say Nick Aldis is whatever, and then Nick Aldis brings out the trade, and it's Nick Aldis meeting that trade person for the first time. And it might be all three kind of tied in together. Well, to add to that, Fightful Selected said, the trade is set, it's not Cody Rhodes. Huh. That's interesting. If it's not Cody. So I saw some people speculate on Twitter. And again, I don't know if they have any inkling or anything like that, but there's just in the trade is Kevin Owens. And I definitely think it's either Kevin or Sammy. I had said way before, back in the previous, like, uh, you know, first couple things that we had talked about, I was like, Oh, Kevin 
is really mad at the idea of Jay being there. And if they sent Sammy over, then he would have all the more reason to be upset because he's just lost his tag team partner. So they still could potentially do that, but they did just have the whole, he's fine with Jay thing. So unless they want to backtrack on that specifically, then that could also be the end of the story. About what what story? Like Kevin and Sammy teaming period. Kevin and Sammy. It could be that. And Jay and Cody. But then again, problem with that is war games that feels like what they would have but now just spitballing if they do have a new smackdown jam maybe we go back to raw versus smackdown with a bit more direction could be and that could be even tied into the idea i pitched before maybe war games happens at crown jewel and survivor series is raw versus smackdown and they set up the idea of like okay, we're going to get this War Games thing out of the way, and then we're going to get into some Raw versus SmackDown stuff. But even just looking at the list of the Raw and SmackDown people right now, there isn't a single thing that's coming across to me as, like, if Kevin Owens were to go over there, like, oh, he meets LA Knight for the first time, and it's a big deal. Or, say, Dominic gets traded over, and he meets Carlito for the first time, and it's a big deal. Or You know what I mean? Like, Nothing stands out to me. By the way, the um, the familiar moment for Cody could be that he meets Aldis because they were the main event of All In or the NWA title match at All In. Yeah, could be that. They do have a history together. And Aldis beat Cody to win it back, right? Yeah. Now, I don't know about this, but do we know if Nick Aldis and Drew McIntyre have any history i don't know if that's a major like oh they meet for the first time but could be is it aldis and cena is that a big well, deal? meet for the first time is that a big deal no no, no i mean there's the history with mickey and cena and i don't know maybe there's something there that's that makes more sense to me, at least, to be like an interesting thing than if it was like Shinsuke Nakamura gets sent over and he meets Carl Anderson or something. You know what I mean? Like you, you mentioned that um, you mentioned that there was someone on the Crown Jewel poster that you don't think is actually going to be wrestling at the show. Logan Paul. You think it's him and Zena? You know what? Uh, you know what? I mean, he I don't know. Fight to promote tomorrow night. They yeah. obviously they didn't say anything about Logan Paul being there, but that doesn't I mean that they. A, I, think, I, think, I think there's a good chance that we got Logan Paul versus John Cena at Crown Jewel. It very much could happen. I mean, I could. See I it. don't. I don't follow this whole fight that he's got set up. I know that like something happened with a microphone yesterday. Or, open. Yeah. Yeah, but I I don't know what that like entails or something. I just assume it's all bullshit because I don't trust anything anymore. But, um, he's in the UK at the moment, isn't he? Because the fight's happening in the UK. That's SmackDown's so not in the UK, but they could take yeah, a flight, you know? Yeah, they could fly him just in for this one-off thing and then fly him back. If they want to get people talking, Logan Paul popping up is certainly going to trend on Twitter. Might put it past them. And I've been saying for a while, I mean, when it comes to Logan Paul booking him for WrestleMania, the only matches that really stand out to me are Logan Paul versus Brock Lesnar or Logan Paul versus John Cena. Other than that, you're working with like, yeah, not it's like 
bad people on the roster or anything, but like in the grand scheme, if it's Logan Paul against Sheamus, like eh, who, who really cares? Or if it's Logan Paul against, uh, I don't know. Um, I think that could be it because if that's the case, then you take Logan and then Tixie out of the equation, and then you can LA do the Knight AJ Styles Reigns. or Roman Reigns thing, and yeah. Hmm. I like that you're rooting for AJ. I really appreciate it because they got to come back around to that. I mean, that's pretty stu- stupid that they just did this whole like the OC gets attacked to set up a Styles and Cena thing, and then Cena gets. A new partner with LA Knight and Styles gets pushed away. And if they don't come back to it, then it's like, wow, you really don't give a shit about AJ Styles, do you? You know? Yeah. So at least as far as some of these go, come back around, circle it. Do you think the Triple H is going to announce anything other than potentially the Nick Aldis thing or the trade? No. I think he announces Nick Aldis, who announces the trade. I think he's going to announce that Tony Khan has a small winky. (laughs) (laughs) Wouldn't that be great? That just like starts off the episode. He's just like, he does the usual like, ah, we are NXT. We are Raw. We are SmackDown. We are WWE. Thank you for being here on the season premiere, everybody. This is going to be a great show. Tony Khan's almost a small dick. And the... I'm going to say he, he does similar to what Rob was saying. He announces we're going to have a big change going on here. There's a new authority figure on SmackDown. Let me bring him out. Nick Aldis. Nick Aldis says, I'm going to be laying down the law, blah, 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 whatever he might say. And as my first act as SmackDown's general manager, I'm going to do this trade and I'm going to announce to you. So-and-so is now on the SmackDown roster and, that person comes out and then it leads to some sort of a segment later on or whatever. The meet for the first time thing, it's not striking me as anything in particular. So that might be something that's not a huge deal, but he is at least putting that in as big opening for the night. So maybe it is tied into that. I think we might get maybe triple H announces the war games match either for crown jewel or for survivor series. Maybe he even announces Roman reigns as next opponent. But I'm not expecting as much anymore now that all this is coming out. Originally, I was like, oh, is he finally going to do the SmackDown and Raw tag title split? Or finally the Undisputed tag titles or new belts or something. Maybe it is. I mean, maybe they just like pack it. Get all of it. Like they just start off and Triple H is like, I got a lot of shit to say. <laughs> you know? Let's run down like new belts, Aldis and Tony Khan's dick and whatnot. <laughs> it's kind of... It'd be a good way to get a lot of talking points and then just go into like, okay, we've got the tag belts now and fighting for them are going to be Austin Theory and Grayson Waller or something. I'm more interested in this episode of SmackDown than I was yesterday, for sure. Way more interested. I like the idea of on-screen GMs getting back involved. It's no, just, a, it's a trope that they got way too comfortable with, and then they had no fucking idea how to do anything without it. So it's like, if you need that crutch, just do it. Yeah. Just try your best not to 
immediately have all this or piece or Pierce be a heel mm-hmm. and just like let it go. Like let's get some easier storytelling. Because the jumping through hoops type of method that they tried, where they were like, "Well, it's not a general manager, but it's like a commissioner, whatever, constable, this and blah blah blah." And well, Sonya Deville's there as like a a somewhat thing, but she's we're not doing general managers, and it's like, no, you're doing the same thing that you're doing with the abolition of the um, rematch clause, and then you're like, so then we're gonna have a contenders match, and it's always gonna be that the person gets a wins the contenders match to get a rematch. It's like, okay, well then it's just a fucking rematch clause. Just do that. You're not was a was a pandemic innovation, right? Where it was like, well, you're here and you have a suit and we need you to make a match. And then they just stuck with it. I think so. Yeah, I, I think that really worked out well. And yeah, you know, I think Nick Aldis can do the same. I think it sucks. I think he's still got a lot of mileage in the ring. But, hey, get that paycheck. So I think that that's it. Um, you know, his acquisition stuff. Yeah, I'm not seeing any other stuff that I think we should probably talk about. And, of course, we'll figure out how this all plays out on SmackDown tonight. If there's anything in particular that we feel like we need to backtrack and talk about again next week on the Hot Tags or elsewhere then we'll talk about it elsewhere. Maybe we'll even do like a small package or something. Maybe in the meantime, we'll do a dark cast and we'll end up talking about it on that. Native the fashion somewhere down the line over the next week, we're going to come back around to the mock draft. As I mentioned before, talk about the cards that we have created for the women's rosters that we have picked. And then the difference between trading a couple people afterward. We will come back around to another episode of the hot tags and we'll get into something at the end of the month of a Mount Rushmore of spooky people in pro wrestling and somewhere along the way that dark cast will pop up. So if you want to join the channel membership on YouTube or you are on Patreon, get the access to the dark cast here. You not only will get that, you'll get access to all the previous dark casts. So if you want to go back and check out the archives for those other episodes where we had done some fantasy booking of giving, I think it was money in the bank to people each particular year. If we would have gone back in time to do that, or we've done things like the 38th spectacular where we talked about the Simpsons being characters in WWE and so on and all. We have a lot of weird range of dark cast material. And I think that you would enjoy it. If you never checked them out before pick poisons, another option for that too, even a buck a month, greatly appreciated as well as the thanks button and all that stuff there. Make sure you are also going over to fanboysanonymous.com and liking and sharing and following everything that's happening on that website and, you know, checking out the latest fan tracks, which is uh, Pokemon Mewtwo Returns, if you're interested in the Pokemon series, where Rob and I watched whatever that abomination was of a, version <laughs> of, of an extended Easter. work print version one thing. So, you know, existential crisis plus mass confusion thank you to guest five for sponsoring that <laughs> and if you go to the link tree over there on a mango tree.com you'll see links to this and fanboys and smart guy moment and everything else that's happening under a mango tree including my personal accounts at tony mango yep and you can follow me rob at dude police everywhere uh dude police.com is actually like i was working on it yes Yesterday, I had Tony helping a little bit, so 
some headway on that. And just follow me everywhere on social media at DudeFelice. Callum? DudeFelice.com was a uh, pandemic creation, wasn't it? It was, actually, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just like Adam Pearce. Uh, but uh, <laughs> you can follow me on Twitter, Meister 14 you can check out the power rankings every Saturday on SmartCamo.com where I rank the WWE superstars based on their previous week performances. And over on SmartCamo, you can also find the Fantasy League where our teams are picking up points every single week as we continue to battle for the crown at WrestleMania 40. Uh, so you either find it through SmartCamo or you can head directly to www.fantasyleague.com and find it there. Stay tuned as well in the future for DC versus Marvel Survivor Series coming up in November, early December, sometime around that range. We're going to record it sometime in November at the very least, and it'll come up a couple weeks after that. But that's something that's on the back burner. Check out the Blueprint Project happening over in Fanboys. And that's going to do us in for the hot tags, everybody. Thank you for listening to this episode. Thank you for your comments. If you didn't leave a comment, then I rescind that thank you. And you have to earn it by leaving a comment. That's your homework. <laughs> we will see you next time, everybody. This has been another Smart Guy moment, and we are being counted out.